Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host as always, Alex. And with me, I have a very special guest. I've got Ant with me from the uh, To Hull and Back podcast. How are you, Ant? I'm all right. Thanks, mate. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. I'm excited. You know, uh, Logan and myself were on the uh, the Wise Men Say podcast over the uh, Christmas break. And uh, it's great to be collaborating with you as well to, to sort of have this uh the, the the sort of cross experiences between the different city podcasts is really exciting to uh, to start doing. Yeah, it's. I think um, a big part of it is because um, a lot of people can see the podcast as a competing against each other for listeners kind of thing. Whereas we've ever since we've started, all we've had is support and help yeah. from the other podcasts, and we always listen to the other. But like I've listened to this one, I've listened to Tigers, Tigers, blah blah blah. I've listened to Wiseman say they're all brilliant, and what makes them good is that every single one is different. Um, yeah. So you're not essentially competing because people listen for your different aspects of it. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, we all sort of come out on different days of the week. So you got, I think, um, I think yourselves come out a bit later in the week. I think uh, Tigers, Tigers, blah blah blah, are also a bit later in the week as well. So you get, you know, closer to game day, you get some that are more previewing the games, others that are earlier in the week. And there's always news throughout the week as well. So there's always something new to, to tune in for. And, and then as you say, it's the different personalities and um, and what everyone has to say, which is always great to listen to. Yeah, I've, I think there was um, Resurrection Podcast or someone has also just started up and they've had a couple of episodes, which which are great to listen to as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's Tom Griffin. And um, he, we had him on one of our episodes. I think it was the, um, oh, right. the Boxing Day um, episode with him and Will. Um, so we sort of let him experience what it was like in ours, and then because he was, and we knew he was planning to start his, so we got him on an episode on ours. He started his own up, and um, we've been offering some help whenever we can. But yeah, there's there's is great to listen to as well. Obviously, they've got some teething problems if they started out, but everybody does. Oh yeah, yeah. It's always I remember back when we we started um, a few years ago now. But you know, it, it's all about just 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 diving in, and and you sort of learn as you go, and and it's all about making mistakes, and then and then learning, and, and figuring out what works, what doesn't work, and it's all part of the fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what better thing is there to do than to talk about city? <laughs> exactly exactly it's it's sort of i guess especially this year and i'll, I'll well Matt, we'll start with this question then because what what sort of motivated you to start a podcast this year because i would assume is it is it sort of replacing the sort of chats you'd have down at the pub i guess about, about city that we haven't been able to do this year or last year yeah well for me it's um we we have a banter group on facebook which is um the yorkshire banter group so we have like you know city fans leeds fans doncaster barnsley yeah we're all in there giving each other stick um the we were going to originally start one that had a representative of, of as many Yorkshire clubs as we could and just talk Yorkshire on the podcast. Right. But starting one that had so many different people on it was a bit of a nightmare because you've got to make sure that people are available to come on. Um different days of the week were okay for some and not for others. So you were you weren't getting what you were aiming for. And it yeah. got to a point where we reduced it to three people and then even that didn't really work out. Uh, people, you know, universities, where else work. So it got to a point where we we're about to give up. But then uh, me and Joel just said, look, we'll just start one that's just me and you. We'll just do a city one because we know when we're available and we know what we're going to yeah. talk about. Um, and then I knew that my mate Will, um, 
he's he's fairly adept to talk about City. So I asked him, I said, look, do you want to jump on the podcast with us? Give it a go, see how it, see how we uh, feel about it. And he was like, yeah, it's fine. Because like you say, it, you can't, I used to live in Hull. So I used to go to all the home games. I had season pass for 12 years. But then when I moved in with my missus, I've now moved to Leeds. So I don't right. meet my mates in the pub no more. I don't meet my family anymore. So those pub chats don't happen. So this <laughs> this is, yeah, the closest I can get to, it, I suppose, with a kind of... Yeah. Like lager can in me under the podcast. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Usually when I'm recording these, I'll have a beer in hand as well, so it's uh, it sort of subs in for that. Um, I actually, I think I knew Will because he he posts on um, there's the the not six oh six Hulsey forum, yeah. which um, yeah, which does, I think yeah. he posts on there. So I, I've sort of uh, come across him a few times. He's a he's a good one as well to chat to. So um, yeah, I mean, look as you can see, we were going to have. Two of us, I think it was going to be Logan and myself on for this episode, but but Logan's been caught up with other things. So it, it, it starts. It's funny you think with more people uh, in the rotation, it might be easier to find people available, but teeing up availabilities no. is always problematic. <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing is, like when you when the, the the least amount of people there is, I mean like we say it's me and Will really. Joel's going to jump on as many times as he wants, um, and we're also looking to get Tom on a few times, so. It's just about having like you know a main two and then being able to switch it up sometimes with a bit of variation. We think um, yeah. because obviously not everybody wants to listen to me all the time, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's quite tough when we had so many people at the beginning and you're saying right because you're planning a podcast and talking about certain things and then if one or two people don't come on, you can't talk about that aspect. So you've yeah. got to try and yeah. fill that time period void in the podcast. It's too tough. Yeah, yeah, no, and 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 it, yeah, it's it's a funny one, isn't it? But um, I guess I wanted to ask you as well about uh, you sort of mentioned there your time as a city supporter. You a season ticket holder for twelve years, did you say? Um, well, yeah, I, I started watching City when I was five, so I was a Boothbury Park Tiger when we first started out the two thousand season. Um, my first game was actually away at Exeter, um, which was fun. We won one nil, I think, as well. Yeah. Right. Um, then. I sort of sporadically went to games from that point on with my uncles and then I ended up getting a season pass and I just loved City and I just went for, I went up until I was 20, 21 is when I moved over here. Uh, I think my last season was the Leonard Slutsky slash Nigel Atkins. Oh. Yeah. So. Very uh, momentful season, but, you know, at least you, you kind of got the highs and the lows in between that with, um, you know, the FA Cup final under Bruce and then, um, I guess back into the championship and then back up again with silver and all of that. So a uh, very eventful yeah. sort of period. Yeah, it's funny because my uncles um, have seen all the the worst of City back in the um, back in the dark days of the eighties and the nineties. Um, so they always used to take the mick out of me because when I started watching, we only started we only really yeah. did good things. <laughs> so they were yeah. like, "You're very lucky in 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 the in the history you've been a City supporter because um, you've not known how good you've got it." Because um, obviously I saw us, the Taylor reign really was the first point when I think I started attending every game. So yeah, yeah from the moment I got a season pass, we've just had unprecedented success. So it's been amazing. Yeah, it's like for me because my first season was the. Um, well, I mean, so oh eight oh nine was when I sort of started supporting City because down here in Australia we only really started to hear about. City when they got promoted up to the Premier League, for, you know, sort of for the first time, and then the Dino strike and all of that. So I sort of started watching, um, and they they had a, that the amber and black kit is very similar to to the school kit that I had at the time. So um, it sort of 
got me latched on as a city supporter. And as you say, sort of even more so from then, it was, you know, a little dip back into the championship. But other than that, it's all been very much successful. So it's, I guess it's hard to, um, it's hard to complain too much about the bad times now because uh, obviously uh, there's, there's a lot of city supporters out there who've seen it when it was much worse and much darker days. So um yeah, I, I guess I, I guess then that sort of brings me to my next question, which is sort of what's your favourite memory at, from the stands as a city supporter? What's your favourite game that you've been to attend? See, I've I've thought about this question quite often because it, it does come up in a fair like in, in Twitter questions and everything as well. On it, I think it would probably have to be, um, it'd have to be the two thousand and eight playoff final. I don't think I've. It was the first ever visit to Wembley. It was the first ever. I mean, I've we'd obviously never been in the Premier League before, and that was something that I think I was just raised to to believe that we probably would never do. Um, and when when Dino smashed that in the top corner, and then the final whistle, I just think that was the the pandemonium amongst the fans was just something I don't think I've ever experienced before as a City fan. I think it was the Oval the Oval Town Ashby winner was a close one, but. Yeah. Just the, the the way that fans were hugging strangers, you were jumping two rows in front of you, and it was just it was something completely different. And whenever I think about it, I watch that goal back, I get goosebumps, and it is I just remember being in that chair. So it would have to be that absolutely. Were you at Were you at Wembley for the um, FA Cup final as well? Or, or yeah, I've been to Wembley yeah. every time we've gone. I've tried oh. to make sure I go because. Um, you never know when the next one will be. Yeah. yeah, we had a good run at Wembley, but it doesn't look like we're going there anytime soon. Well, mind you, the Papa John's trophy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the FA Cup final, the, the second goal was more of disbelief. But yeah, obviously, when going around and losing it, um, it becomes more of a charred memory than it does the oh, no, playoff final sure. one. I, um, <laughs> I, 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 I was over in Hull earlier that season for a couple of months across December through to February and I was so close to flying over for the um, FA Cup final because I just thought similar sort of logic I would have cost a bomb but I was like is this possibly the only time that I'm going to get to see City in a, in a cup final and I'm yeah. sort of in two minds whether I would have regretted it because I think as you say that 2-0 going up 2-0 and that utter disbelief at at what we were sort of doing uh, was such a height of emotion but then the lows of losing it would have been pretty tough to take. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, yeah, it's one of them in it where you can say you were there. Um, obviously, it was heartbreaking the way it went and the way it finished, um, considering if Alex Bruce's header would have gone in. Yeah. Uh, it might have been a different story, but they're definitely for the experience. Like, I, I look back at it as a positive memory because, to be honest, we didn't expect to win anyway. Um, it's just more gut-wrenching when you think what could have been because of where we were. But, yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's one of them that you probably wanted to say you've been there when you look back at time because it's it's a little bit of piece of history where you can say yeah it's our only cup final yeah I mean, yeah the loss yeah. but it's our only cup final <laughs> yeah well so speaking of the cups then I guess we can we can sort of talk about um, uh, the Fleetwood game that we had and you sort of referenced before the Papa John's Trophy and the chance to get back to Wembley and what yes. are you know, t- talking about going two 0 up and then losing this was a case of going down two 0 and then coming back and winning. Um, what what a game that was, and and for Coyle to get the winner as he did in the in the last minute of the game, and it's always it's always funny when it's against a former team, and, and he sort of didn't yeah. really want to celebrate, and it reminds me of um, fun talking about that season, Danny Graham when he was on loan for us, scoring against Swansea, and it was yeah. his only goal of his whole loan spell, and he didn't celebrate, and you just think 
poor bastard just wants to celebrate the goal, but he, does, he really doesn't want to. And sort of similar for Coyle in this one. But what, what did you make of this game? And, and I guess, you know, what were you thinking when we were 2-0 down? Was it, you know, how did you feel yeah. about it? I mean, I was working because the kickoff times are so weird with the mm. half-past five kickoff. I was working up until six. So I had the game on um, just audio for the first half. Uh, I had it with a Bluetooth speaker in the back. And it was just another typical sluggish start to the game, which we've done since December, really. Yeah. Um, where we've not looked threatening. We look a little bit leaky at the back. A bit disorganised in each section of the pitch. Um, and it just felt like it was going to be one of those games. We went 1-0 down quite early and how bad it sounded like we were playing. It did sound like we were in for a rout, similar to what they did to us at their ground in the yeah. league. Um, we got to our time at 1-0, so you're thinking, right, okay, salvageable. We can get on with that. Then the second half didn't start brilliant either. Um, it was another one where we just it, everything we tried seemed to not work. Um, I, I don't know if there was a little bit of maybe they were like oh now Adelican's gone back we're not sure who we're going to attack through because Wilkes um, following on from his Sunderland game was was cutting a frustrated figure um, but then as soon as uh, we made the three subs the game changed I, I don't think if I feel like Fleetwood didn't really prepare themselves for who we were bringing on um, so when KLP who were the subjects? It was KLP, Salem, and Wilson. Was, was, that that was that Honeyman that came on? Or was Honeyman... I think it was... I, I, oh, yeah, I think Honeyman came on as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have um, so as soon as he came on and then started whipping them dangerous corners in and we scored the first one, you're thinking, right, here we go, let's kick on now. Scored straight away again from the same situation. Yeah. And then it was just one-way traffic from that point onwards and it was like, we literally played with... We, Maybe only played well for 15 minutes and ended up winning the game. So we've got the squad that can be dangerous. If we played to our full capabilities for 90 minutes, what we would do to some teams in this league, I think, would be scandalous. I think I think the fact that they've changed it to the five substitutions can only benefit us with, as you say, it's just that depth that we can bring on um, so many attacking players. And since KLP seems to sort of be the default um, substitute, super sub sort of impact, um, yeah. It's at least sort of one one player in in, in our favour, but um, yeah, look, you know, the fact we were able to bring on, uh, I think, especially Honeyman coming coming on would have would have massively changed the game. And as you say, you know, the first two goals pretty much directly from his corners, um, and then the winner also kind of essentially coming from the corner as well. Yeah, um, he's just been a revelation this season, and I I, I think. Um, I think it was on, I think it was on your podcast I was listening to earlier, and there was the mention that I think Bournemouth had been interested in him a bit earlier in yeah. December, maybe. Um, and which and, is a bit uh, worrying because McCann's been saying about um, that there's been a serious bid in for one of our players, and they've mm. not named who it is. So mm. that could potentially be who it is, um, which is a worry because I feel like if without Honeyman, I don't think we've got that set piece extraordinaire to replace him because um, yeah. I think it was Sky Sports that said he's, he's leading the league with with assists yeah. and the vast majority of them will be set pieces. I, I, I find it crazy that I can't remember the last season where we were so strong from set pieces. It's, it's as if we've sort of put a lot of work into it in the summer and um, you see some of the set piece routines they're pulling out and they're, they're working so well, but 
uh, maybe under Marco Silva or someone like that, we or Bruce, maybe we we had quite a lot of strength from set pieces, but not a whole lot since then. No, I think um, I, you always think back to the days of uh, Michael Turner heading in any from the Phil Brown era. Yeah, we were all right set pieces then. Leon Court under Peter Taylor, but we don't tend to have anybody who's um, amazingly good at set pieces. I feel like Huddleston had the ability, but we didn't really seem to have the players to nod it in as much. I think Michael yeah. Dawson only scored a few, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And I Best guess Snodgrass, Snodgrass Snodgrass was good straight from the set pieces, but not not so much at laying them on um, other players. He just scored them himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, 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 Honeymoon is crucial to what we're doing at the moment because um, we've got some big centre-backs in Beck and, and Greaves, but they're also agile. So like Beck showed at Sunderland, he can, yep. rather than being a big unit like Abdullahi Fai, he's got the ability to snake his leg around and score a shot if he has to. Yeah, and, and look, talk, talking about big units, we've just let one go to a QPR online with device heading up there. Um, I know we've sort of talked about it on our podcast a bit before, but that one always seemed a bit inevitable that device was seemingly out of favour with McCann. He, he wasn't really getting into the squad in some games. Greaves had sort of taken his spot. And I don't, I, I don't feel like it's a huge loss just because Greaves is no. playing as well as he is. So, yeah, what, what, what no. did you think of that one? I mean, the thing is with devices, I absolutely loved him. I feel like um, the first half of last season, him and Burke just looked like they'd formed the perfect partnership. They complemented each other's playing styles. Um, device was probably undroppable at that point. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether or not he reacted badly to us selling our two best players in January and maybe being a bit mad at the direction or the ambition of the club. Um, because from that, I mean, the entire team did, to be fair. From January onwards, we just, nobody looked at it. But yeah. you would have to question devices. Because I thought that when he was made captain, um, when the when the pause in the season happened and he came back and they announced him as captain, I thought he'd really kick on. Uh, yeah. And I mentioned it in our podcast before that maybe giving him the captaincy is what undid him in the end. Maybe it was too much responsibility because he's still only, only in his mid uh, early twenties. Yeah. So maybe it was a responsibility he wasn't ready for. Um, but he never just he never recovered. And then you'd think, right, League One, he's going to be the best centre half in this league. And I just he, t- mistakes this season have cost us goals from him, and mm. it's just. It got to a point where I was quite happy for us to drop him. And then when yeah. Greaves came in and took his chance by storm, you, you're only thinking, right, this is all about his character now. He's got to knuckle down at training. He's got to look like he's been dislodged by a youth player. He needs to get himself back in the starting eleven. And someone of his ability, you'd assume, would have done that. And he never has. So maybe his character's not as strong as one would think. Um, he's probably going to be one of the highest earners. Uh, so yeah. it's... It does suit everybody. Everybody wins in this loan deal to QPR, I do believe, because it's given us some wage to get some uh, good players in, as just shown. We've made some good signings so far. Yeah, definitely. And look, fingers crossed it works out for him there and he can get the permanent move. And Because as you say, I think that probably suits everyone. Um, and, and yeah, look, as you say, um, the, the, freed up lo- uh, the freed up wages mean that we've been able to bring a few players in, um, especially on loan. We've got um, White in on loan from Cardiff, who... I think last time he was in this league, scored seven in, in 36 for Oxford as a 22-year-old. So, um, not you know, a, a reasonable return for him. And I think there was a lot of interest in him when he moved to Cardiff. So, 
Um, look, if he's he's another one like Adelican, he's essentially a, a straight swap for Adelican um, as that sort of promising young player who, who can play on the wing. Yeah. I mean, um, we did need as many as much as we need a central striker, we did need another replacement for Adelican because in, in the sense of the squad, you look at who we've got in the wing positions. Um, we've got Wilkes, we've got KLP, who we know uh, famously is not allowed to start at the moment. Um, yeah. We've got James Scott, who really hasn't taken any of his opportunities so far, uh, and Thomas Meyer, who's in the same situation. So, um, other than looking at your youth squad like um, Ahmed Salem or anybody like that, we've we needed another player who can make a direct impact um, rather than hoping that someone like Scott has a good game. So, yeah, someone si- signing someone as promising as that. I mean, a lot of Cardiff fans were saying good things about him. Um, if he can hit the bo- hit the uh, ground running in this league because uh, it sounds pacey he wants to be direct and run at the defenders it could only make us more dangerous as a front three alongside Wilkes and whoever plays through the middle yeah and I think I think you guys were saying on your episode this week that before White came in we didn't really have any pacey options that we could bring in off the bench um, to really run at defenses so so bringing in someone someone like him is is a really promising signing for us yeah it is a I mean to be able to play the way we do, because um, we like to absorb the pressure off the ball and then hit somebody on the break, you have to have that fast player up front. Um, without the pace, your counter-attack isn't really as effective. So, yeah, it, may, it might give us an extra dimension now in terms of counter-attack, which we may have struggled to do earlier on in the season because as, as good as our front three was, Adelican was wasn't yeah. the fastest. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it's a different dimension now. Catch some teams yeah. out of surprise. Yeah. And we also got in uh, Jordan Flores from uh, Dundalk, I believe it was, where, I mean, he's had a bit of experience in England with Wigan and Blackpool, um, but I guess he's probably most famously known for his uh, Puskas goal nomination. Um, You know, look, he seems like he'll be reasonable depth. I'm not convinced he's going to be a a really strong goal scoring option for us. Maybe he will be, I might prove me wrong, but seems like a reasonable sort of punt when he's, Presumably pretty cheap and and, um, and low wages, I would think. Yeah, I mean, with our midfield at the moment, you've got to think that um, Honeyman seems to be the one who is doing all the assists. Dockett is now getting on his goal run because uh, he's been known as a goal-scoring midfielder in this league. So, to me, any sort of attacking addition to that in case we lose one of them two to injury or, you know, to Bournemouth, for example... Um, can only be a good thing because then we're trying to replace attacking midfielder with attacking midfielder. Our only yeah. problem at the moment is if we were to take Doherty off or Honeyman, we're replacing them with a more defensive-minded midfielder because you think Smallwood, you think Batty, they're, they're not they're not as progressive um, as the others. So to have another attacking yeah. option can only be good in the games where we need to find that goal. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just quickly give a shout-out to... Uh, DJ Twenty Nine Hawkins is watching along live. It's always nice to get uh, people listening along live. So, so cheers for um, cheers for watching with us. Um, and, and then, I guess the other big signing that's potentially coming in today is um, Dan Crowley on loan from Birmingham. Who I, I, I'm, to be honest, very surprised that we've managed to get him. If if that does come off, because I know there was a few uh, Championship clubs mentioned as being interested in him. I think Coventry in particular. Um, so yeah. that you know, he sounds like a really cracking uh, quality young signing that could really lift us um, towards promotion. Yeah, I think he's an exciting signing because um, he can really play. He's quite versatile from what I've read about him. He can even play a front uh, as a winger, but he prefers to be in that number 10 role. Um, 
So, like I said, if, if, if you know, we're needing another option to bring on to get us that goal and you've got the likes of Honeyman, Doherty and Crowley on the pitch at the same time, defences are going to be absolutely terrified because you've got, you've got inch-perfect crosses coming in from one of them and then you've got a goal threat from the other two running in. So, it's going to yeah. be an absolute nightmare to defend against. Um, uh, where we play him um, might be another story because I don't know what McCann's plan is for him because we don't really play with a number 10. Yeah, because I, I, because then I guess like you're saying, it's essentially uh, potentially a rotation option with Doherty. I can't, or, or maybe maybe a Smallwood if we want to go into games um, more attacking. But but I think Smallwood's so vital as giving us that sort of solidity at the base of the midfield. I, I don't, I, it, whether it's as a rotation option, whether he, as you say, maybe puts him into the front three or, or something like that. I'm not so sure, yeah. but um, he seems like he's a versatile option, which is uh, always a good one to have. A few City fans on Twitter, to be fair, have been saying that they're planning on playing him in strike. Right. Um, So, I mean, there's not much difference between a number 10 and a striker. If you're a number 10, you're essentially a deep-lying forward, are you? So, Mm. if we're we're looking at playing him as a striker, he's quite small. So, maybe we'll be looking at them uh, into passes into the box amongst the midfield, like we've been trying, as as opposed to them inch-perfect crosses from wide to the likes of Guinness. Because he's going to be a different from... The big barely target men we've got because he's uh, he until March, isn't he? Because I think he's injured and and obviously McGinnis- yeah he's got a bad injury and obviously McGinnis is recovering from his COVID spell. Yeah. Um, we're quite low. unless you want to play Wilkes in the middle, and I don't think he's as effective there as he's out wide. Um, mm. Yeah, we, we are needing that forward, so maybe Crowley's that one who's filling in for us. And and I think he scored his only Birmingham goal against us last season in that three three yeah. draw. So uh, <laughs> he's got naturally. Yeah, I, I think we I think we always like to go on the um the bandwagon of signing players who've scored against us. I know we did it a few years ago, so um yeah. Always Our only problem is, is that we do that and then they turn out to not do as well for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Dick Dicko and Dicko and Irvine un- unfortunately didn't work out quite so well. But um no. and and look, I think there was there's been rumors as well about Samuelson potentially going to Norway. I think to play. So whether he's the one, I, I know you mentioned earlier that the offer that's come in for one of our players, whether that's Samuelson or, or whether it's somebody else, I'm not sure. But um, And then, as you said as well, KLP news, I think it was yesterday that McCann's kind of come out and said that essentially that he's replaceable, that if, if he doesn't yeah. sign his contract, that McCann will go out and sign someone, which it just seems like it's getting, it's such an ugly situation now. It's just getting worse. Well, it is. It's just typical city, isn't it? We get, a, we get to a position where it looks like promotion's highly likely. And then something like this happens. It's just some. There's always something happening to mare the season in some way, shape, or form. And it, 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 the whole KLP thing. Just I can't understand it. It's ridiculous because I don't understand how, as an owner, you don't want the best asset for your club to be playing. Because yeah. if if you if you imagine a football club as a business, which is what the Alams are doing. Um, your business needs its best employees on the front line to give you the best chance of progressing. So if we want promotion, we need our best players on the pitch. And because of a slight wage rise, I mean, they've not released how big a percentage his wage rise is if he starts another game. But for something as trivial as that, I just find it's it's absolutely ridiculous. The, the amount of- he could essentially win you promotion. Yeah, I mean, look, the amount of games that he hasn't started since this all began, it just seems like it, it just surely can't be worth the amount of... And then potentially pushing him out of the club. But if you want to sign him to a longer deal to get money for him, 
and then he's going to leave the club with, I, th- I think he's only got a year left on his current deal, you're going to get a whole lot less this way. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 even more confusing is the fact that apparently the new contracts are in talks with him about. Um, it's a disparate a disagreement between his the length of contract. Yeah. So it's not even about the money. Apparently he's happy with the money they're offering him, but they want him to sign on longer than what he wants to. And Which I just think yeah. uh, I don't oh. I just obviously they're looking for a bit of security in the investment, which is understandable. But surely if there's only like a year's difference in it, they can just be like, okay, fair enough. Um yeah. let him or, sign or, on for those extra years. Or or even say to him, you know, look if if you know sign this deal with a clause that if we get promoted it adds an extra year to your deal if we don't get promoted then it triggers some sort of release clause or something like that but yeah. it, it is the one aspect where i sort of feel a little uneasy that klp wants a shorter deal um it, it almost feels like it's his agent getting in his ear to say you know maybe you sign on for the three years to show what you can do and then earn yourself a big money move whereas i'd like to think that that Kano wants to stay here and, and progress with us. So it makes me a little uneasy that that actually he's sort of pushing for a shorter deal. But um, Yeah. You'd assume, wouldn't you, that like um, somebody from Hull breaking through yeah. into the first team would probably want to stay here for as long as he possibly could. But given the current circumstances of the club, because I've had this conversation before with a friend, um, if I personally was a Hull City player and the Alams wanted me to sign on for five years and they were still owners in five years and the club was still doing what it was doing in five years, no fans in the stadium and et cetera. Would you really want to sign on for five years? Um, It might be a case of he wants to sign on for two, three years and then fingers crossed um, we've sold the club by then and then he can get onto better terms from that point onwards. But he doesn't want to be wasting his career in what is essentially can be a fairly toxic club. Mm. Um, in terms of the, there's a lot of disparity between the fans. Um, as shown last season, some of the dressing room maybe wasn't fully together. Um, and in terms of, you know, you, you're a young player, you want to get to the best position you possibly can in your career. Um, taking yourself as a City fan out of it and stay neutral, you probably wouldn't want to be here. So yeah. I can kind of understand it in a way. Uh, yeah, look, I, I do see that point of view. I, I guess I'd say, I mean, you look at Bowen moving on to West Ham and, and the Alums are willing to to sell players on um, and, and kind of give them that move. So it's not as if he'd be sort of held here against his will, I suppose. But, um, you know, yeah, it is an interesting one because I guess you would be sort of reluctant to sign on because who knows if we were to be, knock on wood, it doesn't happen, but if we were to be relegated to League Two, if he was stuck here on a four-year deal, suddenly his, his career is going in the wrong direction. So, uh, yeah, it's a really tough one. And, I, I sort of I look at Graves and a few others who've signed on to new deals. I suppose they're a bit um, less progressed than Kano is, so perhaps they're a bit more willing just to have that stability of a contract. But um, yeah, yeah, it just seems like a really messy one. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't even know if um, his agent's been in his ear and said, "Oh, um, to be fair, two or three clubs have got in touch with me, and they're they're interested to watch your development. Um, they're fairly happy with how you've come on so far." Um, and then you can probably expect a bid in the next one or two years. So yes, yeah. then they're angling for a shorter contract here because then there's more likely to get his move in the future. I mean, there's so yeah, much yeah. speculation about such contract situations like this that it's just, we might as well just sign him on for one extra year if, if they want to just have that little bit of insurance. But 
yeah uh it's a, it's a tough one yeah and like you say it's so hard to, to to guess and to know what's going on with all of that um but look maybe maybe we'll look ahead then to the you know blackpool clash which is only in about what's that five hours from now i think it is um which yeah. would be a, a nice big one against blackpool they did beat us only about a month ago which um which i'd almost completely forgotten about me just pushed it out of my mind when i was um looking it up for this episode but yeah knocked us off three two um unfortunately um, but before before that season, we hadn't played them since uh, tw- before that game. I should say we hadn't played them since um, 2012-13, um, but haven't beaten them since 2004. I think so. It's been a fair while. Since yeah, they're a bit of a bogey team. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so how, how do you see this one? Because I think I think their only win um, recently was against us. They, they haven't been in great form. Yeah, they were in very good form when they played us, mm. and then after beating us, it seems to have curtailed them a bit. Um, it's one of these games where if we don't play to our full capabilities, then we're, there's, there's a risk that we could come away with without maximum points. Um, I personally expect to draw um, just because of the way that we're sort of trying to regret, um, regroup, essentially, after losing Delican and, and play a new way. Um, we've potentially got another couple of signings to add in straight into the mix. I don't know yeah. if he'll throw them straight in. Um that will be remain to see. Um, but it's one of these where we play to our full capabilities for 90 minutes, we'll beat them. Um, if not, then they've got enough danger in their side to do what they did to us last time. I mean, last time was just a, 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 a collapse of concentration at the end because we, we equalised very late on and then still managed to lose again. Yeah, that's right. So Yeah. Yeah, it'll, look, be, it'll, it'll be... It's gonna it's gonna be a tough one, and I know you sort of mentioned earlier that sort of almost looking back to December, start of December, we've really been starting games quite slowly. We, we've kind of lost that spark. And talking about KLP, it almost seems like um, those sorts of clashes behind the scenes may be starting to affect the players a little bit. So, look, hopefully that win against Fleetwood sort of um, gets all the players going again because that would have really helped with the self belief in the side, and and maybe that's what we needed to to really start to kick on again in the league. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not one of these who'll say I want to lose in the cup because I want to focus in the league because I believe that cup runs and wins in any situation breeds a winning confidence in, in the, the entire squad, um, especially in your squad players that wouldn't usually start in the league. So people like Louis Coyle, who obviously is struggling to get into the first team because of the form of Emmanuel, is now having to up his game to try and get into the team. So to me, the cup games are essential to getting your whole squad in form. Because it yep. makes your first eleven try harder, and it makes your squad players try harder because they want to get into that start eleven. Yeah. Um, so the 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 win against Charlton, and then the win against Fleetwood. Now I'm hoping is is getting that that winning mentality back, and we can get back into that momentum rhythm that we had at the beginning of the season, where we can really kick on now and try and nail down a top two spot. Yeah, and especially with I think Lincoln has a few COVID issues. I'm not sure if they've they've recovered from that. I know they they had that draw with Peterborough, which was quite handy. Both sides um, around us dropping points. Um, as you say, it's a real opportunity for us to to start trying to push up. And you know, for a while there, we were we were top of the league with a bit of a gap starting to form, and we've sort of fallen back into the pack. So um, you know, as you say, if we can start to get that winning confidence and form back, we can start to push back up the table. Yeah. I mean, you look at the teams around us, the teams that I expected to be up and amongst us challenging have started to really slip. So you look at the likes of Sunderland who are down at mid-table now, Ipswich mm. were, were on fire and then they've really dropped off. 
Um, Lincoln, you'd expect to fall off at some point, but they're still going. Um, they're kind of doing a Burnley in their promotion season. Mm. Um, the, it, we feel like we're the only team who are where the squad suggests they should be. Yeah. So you would expect in the grand scheme of the season for us to really kick on and then for the other clubs that we probably assume would be up there with us to then gain momentum towards the end but us be too far ahead. So games like this against Blackpool where it's a mid-table side trying to edge the way to the playoffs, wins like this do send out quite a message to your rivals and it makes them sort of up their game or maybe try too hard. Um, it's all about that mind game bit, I think, in the second half of the season. You're looking at your other team's results. Yeah, absolutely. And look, as you sort of mentioned, some of the sides slipping off. One that's starting to pick up ground is Akron Stanley, who I think we play twice in a week in the next week or twice so. Twice so, in one week, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting times playing them because they're in, they're, yeah, they're because the home team in the comp. They are, they're looking very good considering they've got, I think, is it three or four games in hand? And yeah. if they win them all, I think it puts them second, I think, last time I checked. That, yeah, that was just before they played the last match. Yeah, um, I'm a look now because they're, they're three games behind us. If they win all three of those, they'd be ahead of us, yeah. Yeah, so we need to come out of two, that well, both them games with positive results because if we don't, then that's added Accrington into the mix as well. Um, yeah, definitely. Even maybe four points minimum just to keep them behind us. Uh I would assume win at home, draw away kind of thing. Mind you, this season's form, it'd probably be win away, draw at home. But. <laughs> it's a weird one. I mean, well, maybe not so weird that um, away sides are doing better this season than home sides because um, it does certainly seem like we're, we're a lot better when we go away from the KCOM. And I wonder if that's for us at least because sides feel like they can attack us a bit more away from home and it, it opens yeah. them up to the counter-attack. I think that's entirely the reason. I think the way we play and the way we're better is because I prefer our shape off the ball than when we're playing a game where we've got 60-odd possession because we don't really do yeah. much with it. Um, when we're at home, I think teams are just naturally going to sit back and just want us to throw anything at them and then they hit us on the counter. Um, whereas away, like you say, you, you're more inclined to, to have a go and that's what exactly what we want you to do. Yeah. Uh, McCann plays a way that he wants you to to throw everything you've got over us, throw all your players forwards and then we'll just exploit that space and on the counter. So and, I think that's why we've been better away. And it's funny because we, we seem to do better, as you say, when we have less possession. But having less possession then means that opposition managers will, will point to the possession stats and say that they deserve to win. <laughs> yeah, like that's the only stat that matters, not the fact that yeah. they had three shots across 90 minutes. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. No, it's a funny one. Um, I, I guess just before we, we finish up, um, I guess looking forward for the season, do, what, what's your sense of, of where this season will, will take us? Do you see promotion this season? Do you think it's too too typical City to, to even start to think about that? I don't know. Um, if you'd have asked me in November, I'd have said dead sets for top two. If you'd have asked me the end of December, I would have said we weren't even finishing <laughs> the playoffs. Um, yeah. It's one of them where... It depends which city turns up for the, for the remainder of the season. Um, we are more than capable of finishing in the top two, especially considering the position in, we're in and the signings we're making. Um, and I think maybe the end of January would be the better time to, to judge because if we've lost KLP and Honeyman, they're going yeah. to be two big misses um, that are not easily replaceable in this squad. Uh, so maybe it's just a case of watching through this transfer window if we keep KLP and Honeyman, I'm 100% certain we'll go up. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. It reminds me a lot of that season under Bruce when we got promoted the second time around, 15, 16, I think it was, where, you know, finishing in the playoffs was almost a disappointment because with the yeah. squad we had, we really should have gone up automatically. And, and again, yeah. this season, I think if we don't finish top two, it's it's a real shame. Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, the position we were in um, mid-December where we was like four points clear with a game in hand at the yeah. top. I thought we that was it. I thought we that we'd be in the top two now for the rest of the season. But it just shows you how, how a few bad results in a row can really curtail your entire season. Um, yeah, it's, just, it, it's that concentration issue with City. We do we do it so often. I find that December is a really bad month for us. I don't. It'd be really? worth looking at you know throughout the seasons how we do in December because I feel like we always do badly. Yeah, it always seems like December's um, whether we've sort of got one eye on the transfer window, where the players sort of um, sort of get their nose out of joint. Maybe there's someone coming in, and and they get the sense of that or something like that. But yeah, we yeah. always seem to drop off a bit in December. And um, though, I mean, as you as you say, I mean, this season's just bonkers. That sides are sides are sort of their, their form is so patchy. There's no real clear runaway side this season that that looks like they're going to get promoted. All the um, expected sides, as you say, are sort of. Um, dropping off or, or having poor runs of form. Yeah, I think I think when you look at it, it's a quite an even season, uh, an even standard in this league at the moment. Um, on paper, our squad's probably the most desirable. Yeah, um, but Sunderland have got a good squad, which have got a good squad. Um, but then Peterborough you've got your teams well, yeah. surprise. Peterborough, yeah, very good team. And you've got your surprises like Accrington, who are in the mix, or mm. um, uh, Lincoln, who never expected to be where they were. And it just shows that this league's one of them where it's it's all about playing together as a team as opposed to the standard, well, the quality of your squad. Um, when you play together, like what we did in the 07-8 season, play for each other, you pull off something good. So with the quality of our squad and then if they can get that understanding down together completely, we should run away with it really. And I think that's it. I think, and I think that's why the the the, the Keen Lewis Potter situation is so important to resolve because I think that's the main thing um, that might be impacting on the on the change room at the moment. Because I think if we can get yeah. the dressing room all together and 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 focused again, which to be fair, I think you look at the the Fleetwood result. Um, I think there are signs that, it, that everyone's sort of still quite positive yeah. and still still quite optimistic about the season. It did look like a team, well, a dressing room there together to me. Um, mm. I mean, someone pointed out on Twitter that Grant McCann goes straight to King Lewis Potter, yeah. puts his arm around him and says something in his ear. And it looks like that's more of a... The manager's with KLP and understands what he's going through. And it's more... He's having to do what he's doing because of the orders from above. So maybe Which the players is, know yeah. this. And it's, it's just one of them where it's they're frustrated because, you know, that he's not allowed to play. It's just frustrating. Yeah, when you've got a manager who's got his hands tied like that, it's just such a frustrating thing to see. But as you say, look, it is good that that it seems as if Grant and Keno are sort of uh, possibly or hopefully still on really good terms, and it looks like it's a situation where it's you know it's not it's not Grant's fault, and and hopefully Keno sort of understands that, and um, it looks like he is. I mean, look, he got he, he got the goal to to sort of get us started against. Or sorry, I think it was the equaliser against Fleetwood. So, yeah, um, you know, it was good to see. Yeah. <laughs> It's one of them where a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, maybe McCann needs to just get a spine and play him. But <laughs> you don't, you don't know what um, 
Wonder what, what would happen what if he's capable that, yeah. of doing if he does that, if he goes against his orders. And um, but it, it McCann needs to be pleading with them, really, as a manager. You need to say, look, if you want guaranteed promotion to the championship, if you want, um, you know, your your revenue to increase back to your championship level, we need to be playing this kid, and it's worth the whatever percentage pay rise he's going to get for starting another match. He needs to be starting okay. these games. Um, and I, you know, he might be doing that. We don't know because, you know, the club's not going to release what, what conversations they're having. Um, and then McCann's going to have, you know, every single um, press conference that's that's coming his way, he's going to get asked about it. So he, he, I'm sure he wants it resolved as much as, um, as Lewis Potter does as well. So, look, hopefully, fingers crossed, maybe we come out of the January window. They've, they've got a bit of extra uh, wage cap and they can... Um, they can just get that resolved and maybe just sort of tick off the uh, the contract once. I guess once we know what the squad's going to look like, we can um, get it sorted out. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I said, so that that this January window, I think, is going to be a massive indicator to where we're going this season. Um, and the fact that it started so positively um, yeah. is only a good thing. Um, hopefully, we just keep hold of KLP Honeyman and then maybe make another striker sign in or something. And I'd be quite happy to be fair. Um, I think that's it. I think we just need probably a, a, another striker. I think we're pretty well suited everywhere else on the pitch. So it's it then becomes just holding on to everyone that we've got. Yeah, I mean, because if you look at the squad depth, we're quite uh, we've got Flem- we've got more than able replacements in each fullback position. You've got you like some McLaughlin and Greaves who can step in at centre half. Alfie Jones can play centre half. Jones can play midfield. You've got some of the youngsters who have shown that they're fairly capable of jumping into the spot. Uh, we've got some good midfielders, good depth there. Added some more to it. Um, another good winger to repl- replace the Delican. So we essentially have two wingers on each side now. And like I said, it's just the striker position that we need. If we especially haven't got Eves for a couple of months and McGinnis isn't going to be fully fit or back to his usual self for a few weeks at least. Um, yeah. We do need somebody who can pick up that void uh, in the meantime or else we're going to fall behind. Definitely. So, yeah, look, fingers crossed we can get something sorted there. It's going to be... Um, an interesting couple of weeks, but look, you know, thanks, thanks so much for joining me for this episode, and it's been um, great to chat to you and great to sort of cross paths with um, another city podcast and uh, and get to get to chat city with you. Yeah, no worries, thank you, Fair. thanks for having me because uh, it's it's a bit weird seeing me face on a podcast. I'm used to uh, <laughs> I'm used to just doing it off of anchor, so but yeah, this has been a new experience and it's 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 been a good one. It's always nice to to jump on another podcast and see how how somebody else does things and, and and to have a different style of conversation. And it's nice yeah. to not lead one. <laughs> yeah, look, and I was going to say, look, it's always, when I was on the Wise Men Say episode, I, I was sitting there thinking, oh, it's actually really interesting not being the one leading the, the yeah. conversation. It's kind of nice to sort of be answering questions and stuff. And, it's a relaxing uh, yeah, experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> well, no worries. No, thank you for joining me for this episode. And uh, look, thank you everyone for listening in for this special episode. And um, we'll we'll absolutely be looking to do more of these in the future. Um, but until- You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. Going higher and higher There's no turning back Cause you're